Coming up, what an excellent day for spider walking. Spider walk, spider walk, does whatever a spider walk can. <laughs> does whatever a contortionist, gymnast, stunt person can. Hmm. Yeah, the more we're thinking about spider walking, the less mm. I think this is how a spider walks yeah. <laughs> in this movie. <laughs> somebody, somebody in 1973 just stands up in the middle of the film. It's like that's not how a spider walks. Oh well, you know they were different back then. They they couldn't uh, they didn't have the technology to look that closely. Oh yes, <laughs> at a spider. We're they much just assume it's like that's that's what spiders did. Yeah, yeah. gotta be what's going on. Yeah, I'm a licensed arachnologist, and I no. <laughs> 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 well, howdy, folks, and welcome to Minute 61 of The Exorcist Minute, a show where we endeavor to examine, extrapolate, and excavate The Exorcist Minute by Terrifying Minute. My name is Lester Ryan Clark. And I'm Keenan Diaz. And we'll be your holy guides on this journey through what some have called the scariest movie of all time. Okay, so let's get into this episode. Our minute begins with Chris standing, hands on hips, having just received the news that Burke is dead. And it ends with a hand passing over Reagan's face. Yes. But yeah, let's get back to the top of this minute here. Keenan, in the last minute, we had just heard some terrible news. Burke, Chris's dear friend and mentor, almost like a second father, is dead. But that's all we knew. But it's here that we get a little bit more. The AD, Chuck, says he must have been drunk. He fell down from the top of the steps right outside. By the time he hit M Street, he had broken his neck. That sounds very plausible to me. Yes, it does. Now, there's a couple things that I want to talk about just in this first shot here. Um, Remember, folks, I, I, I said... It's sort of my habit to look at the actors who are not talking, who are reacting in a scene. Well, in this shot, we really don't have any other choice. The camera is on Chris. We're supposed to be watching Chris. And she is doing something very – she is reacting in this way that is completely un-Hollywood. Um, if that makes any sense at all, I, I I almost thought about opening this minute with a joke about how she looks kind of annoyed. Like, are you serious right now? And I guess I just did. But um, <laughs> but in actuality, I'm really in awe of this like subtle, almost against expectations type of reaction here. She's got her hands on her hips, and when Chuck begins to explain what must have happened, how uh, Burke must have been drunk. That's when her mouth starts working. Um, She starts to sort of chew on the air and you see also her eyes start to blink uh, rapidly. In fact, if you look close, you can you can actually see the moment that the news like literally hits her like a force, like a tidal wave. Um, She 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 sways a little bit. She takes a breath, but it's all so small and so subtle. Unless you are watching her, you might miss it. The way I read it was that Chris is trying to stay composed, but even then she's so still and so composed that you can actually see the shock happen to her body as she receives the the news. It's amazing. Yeah, again, like, uh, you know, film actors have to... You know, learn this news uh, mm-hmm. six, seven, eight, nine times. You know, <laughs> you do, yeah. as you're acting, right? So you have to pretend every single time, or act every single time is a better word for it. Right, <laughs> like right. this is the first time hearing about this, and yeah. to put yourself in this position is uh, quite something. I, I like that you say that at first she's almost um, d- in denial or something like, like, oh, are you serious? I mean, one of my 
one of my worst memories is I, I had heard that um, someone had died and I, my mm-hmm. reaction was someone told me that someone had died and I said, are you serious? You yeah. know? And they were like, why would I joke about that? Right. That's the worst thing ever. You know, this is the, you know, I still am haunted by that, uh, by that, by that response. But yeah, she's, she's, uh, she's experiencing a little bit of that. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. I, and, and, and I'm sorry about that, Keenan. Um, but yeah, like it, it, it is, it's one of those, like, um, we were talking before, like about, you know, being present, uh, you know, at all times, like, how do you be present and then be surprised by this? And then, Mm -hmm. you know, and then, and, and act as if all of the emotions are kind of like hitting you for the first time. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, however you do it, that's what, that's what Ellen Burstyn is doing right now. Um, and we can see it, we can see everything playing out and it's not this, you know, this big Hollywood dramatic, like, (gasps) you know, Mm -hmm. like type thing. It's, it's much more, um, I think, I think grounded in reality than, mm-hmm. than any other kind of like actions that I have ever seen. Right. Um, now before we leave this shot, I, I want to go back to that thing we were talking about in the previous minutes, right? Like that nearness of unknown tragedy or danger, mm-hmm. right? Remember folks, like she was literally upstairs standing in the place that Burke was standing, right? Where Burke died. She closed the window as the sirens were still wailing. She literally missed that scene by minutes, right? Mm-hmm. Like just that fact is so freaky and so horrible and so sad that like I don't think my mind would be able to handle it, right? Like Keenan, mm-hmm. you were you were talking about like, you know, when you experience that news and 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 being in a little bit of denial, right? Like right. if if I was in Chris's shoes right now and I was getting this news that Burke died in this way, I would probably go into immediate denial. I would be like, Chuck, that's impossible. I was just up there. Burke wasn't up there. I just came from that place. Like, Mm -hmm. I would run so quickly into how this doesn't make any sense. Like, I was just there for Christ's sakes. Like, this can't be real. It's too random. It's too quick. It defies all uh, logical sense. It defies all sense of – decorum that sounds weird but like Mm -hmm. like that's not how burke was supposed to die again it's so sudden and so random like like if chuck had come in there and said burke's dead he was driving home from another party and he was drunk right Mm -hmm. of course of course chris would be sad but it would be different there wouldn't be this weird like extra feeling of like this isn't supposed to happen this way. Like this wasn't in the script, like, like the script of your life. Like this, this doesn't thematically jive with everything that is Burke Dennings. Like this isn't, it's almost like this isn't fair. This is, this Mm -hmm. is too surprising too. um, like, again, it, it almost like rude. Like that the universe is doing this, you know? Right. That That's the other part of this as well, right? It's like rude that the universe is doing this when I have these other things going on. Like I am so not prepared for this because- and also that, yeah. Yeah, I, I have this sick daughter and, you know, and then all of a sudden this is more important, right? That, mm-hmm. that Burke has died than, than from her perspective, the sick daughter. Right. Right. But it is, um, yeah, it's like this is not- the time for this. Right, right. Um, I was thinking about, I've been thinking about this idea that, that you were postulating about, mm-hmm. you know, she was upstairs and maybe she's starting, yeah, she's starting to realize that. Um, I have a question later on, I, I guess, about like, how, when does she start to put together that Reagan might have something to do with it or that oh, yeah. you know, rather than falling from the stairs that he was up in that, that, that room. That's not mm-hmm, what Chuck mm-hmm. says, right? Chuck right. says he was outside in the, in the cold and uh, tripped down the stairs, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, this idea of like, um, God, I was in that position. I was almost there, right? It could have been me. Mm-hmm. Um, and we see how how much this kind of trauma affects the mind. Like we have very, mm-hmm. very documented recent examples of this. I'm thinking about people who, um, you know, 
I'm going to give some of them the benefit of the doubt, right, about saying that, like, how, how uh, gradually the, when they retell the stories, they get closer and closer to the epicenter of the disaster site, right? Yes. When you start telling the story over and over again. So, um, so yes, you were in Manhattan during 9-11, but as you start to process that, like, your your story starts to become like, well, I was downtown, even though I wasn't, right? Um, and that that's, I think that's very human, right? It's like, this is how I'm dealing with this. This is a major thing, and I'm a part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've seen people like, uh, do you remember when Brian Williams, the NBC anchor, um, got caught exaggerating his story of Afghanistan. Did you see that? Oh, right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so you could trace that. Like, once people were like, "What's going on here?" Like, we believe Brian Williams. He's, mm-hmm. he's, he's like losing his mind. And you can go back and trace where when he told the story at first, because he mentioned it over and over. He'd be like, "Yes, we were landing in this hot zone, and we were really terrified that someone could shoot at us." And mm-hmm. then later on, it was like we were landing in this hot zone, and people were shooting us. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, and we were landing in this hot zone, and they were there was fire all around us. You know, the helicopter, and we almost died. You know, mm-hmm. like you could see him because it's so documented because he's on camera, yeah. <laughs> right? Of like, like making the story more and more and more intense of it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I wonder if like Chris is starting to do that. How much does she realize up there, you know, of what has actually happened? I don't know if we have an answer in the movie exactly about when she starts to realize that it was, you know, yeah, yeah, n- maybe not that Reagan pushed her, but that he, he, he fell out of Reagan's open window that she was just touching. Right, right. Um, I'll have to go back into the book. I, mm-hmm. I do believe there is. I mean, that is the thing that comes to a climax mm-hmm. in the scene of do you know what she did? Right. Mm-hmm. That's the that's the like that's the demon kind of being like this thing that you've been worrying about this whole mm-hmm. time mm-hmm. yes i'm going to answer you now yes it happened um but and in the meantime mm-hmm. you think that she she is putting together before without admitting to chuck or sharon that he didn't fall down the stairs he was he fell out the window oh not not um hmm, i never i Okay. okay. So, well, so yeah, because you were saying, right, that she was up there where it happened. Right, right. So, so yeah, my answer to your question is, is uh, twofold. Mm-hmm. Firstly, yeah, I think, I think that she's concluding now that he fell from the window, mm-hmm. but I don't think that she is, has put two and two together about Reagan yet. Right. I agree. Yeah. That's where, that's where I think it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, you know, of course, when people are grieving, there's all sorts of, you know, there, uh, there's no right or wrong answer. Right, right. To how, how mm-hmm. to grieve, but she doesn't say no, Mike. He he was here, or, or not, Mike. Tommy, mm-hmm. what's what's this guy? <laughs> Mike, Mike Tommy, Louis, Tommy, Louis, Tommy, Chuck, Chuck. Sorry, all these one syllable names. <laughs> right. So, but she Burke. doesn't say <laughs> Carl. <laughs> she doesn't say right. Like no, Chuck, you're, they're wrong. He didn't slip down the stairs. He fell out the window upstairs. He opened mm. it because he was babysitting Reagan. Right? right. Now wait, is is that? Hang on, hang on. So are you saying that Chuck is is not even mentioning the window? He doesn't, right? He just says that he slipped down the stairs outside. Oh my goodness. I didn't even notice that. I just I I kind of like came in here thinking that Chuck already knew mm-hmm. that it was the window. Uh, he's not he doesn't no. mention the window. He does not mention the window. He says that he fell down those giant exorcist stairs. Right. <laughs> he said those, uh, right up back the exorcist stairs. You know, the exorcist stairs, you know. He fell, he fell down them. Those big the, those big scary stairs from the movie. Right. Wait, you mean the, the, the famous exorcist stairs? <laughs> right. <laughs> I can't believe I live yeah. right next to the exorcist stairs. <laughs> yeah, if that's what it says in the script or in, yeah. in Rocky, it's like Rocky runs up the Rocky stairs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Right, but he he, you know, they find him at the bottom of the stairs with his with his neck turned around. Right, and so mm-hmm. they get there and they're like, okay, he 
he fell and he tripped and he hit himself so many times that his neck turned all the way around. All right? the way around. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, he doesn't know anything about, no one knows anything about the window. Right. And, and I think we're going to, oh yeah, yeah. I think you're going to say what I was going to say. I think, I think we're going to find out later when they're investigating this, that um, you can't fall out the window down the stairs. You have to have a lot of force, right? It's a little bit. It's a little bit more difficult. Like the stairs aren't right underneath it. The you have to be really, really, really pushed, right? Oh, I actually don't know about that. Oh, um, I thought that was what I thought. That's part of the investigation later. Of like, um, you know, it would take a grown man to push him in such a way that he would ha- he would reach the stairs. Well, I think I, I think you're referring to something in the book, and maybe it's in the screenplay as well. Uh-huh. Um, th- that Kinderman says about the force of the. Um, like the fall couldn't have turned his neck right, right. in That's that a certain thing. way. Yeah, um, right. So, and and he's saying like it 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 must have been a powerful man, and right. that's and that's why like you know all eyes are on Carl now. Um, Carl is like suspect number one, right? Like right. the only mm-hmm. person he must have his head must have been twisted before he fell. It's impossible that it happened in the fall, um, and only a powerful man could do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's what I'm mm-hmm. thinking of exactly. Mm-hmm. But uh, but yeah, it, and. I guess I guess to kind of like back this up as well, they wouldn't suspect the window because there's no broken glass. There's no mm-hmm. um, like the window isn't broken, right? Like right. it's closed or no, no, it was it's open when Chris gets home. Mm-hmm. Actually, why don't why don't the cops just look up and see an open window with curtains fluttering out? Because I think it's much more pro- probable that a, a, a known drunk slipped down the exorcist stairs because look at them. Yeah, they're just crazy. Ah, oh, these exorcist stairs, I get like, you know, <laughs> these drugs just falling up and down these exorcist stairs. <laughs> right. For someone to say, like, jump out the window as a suicide and mm. aim for the stairs is pretty improbable or, mm. you know. I see. I see. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so. That's quite and, a way to do it. Right. Right. And in any case, like Chris comes in and she closes the window anyway. So like, even if they look up later, they're going to see that the window is closed. So, right. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. So all they see is Burke's body at the bottom of those stairs. Right. Um, yeah, and that's probably where all their focus is uh, is at. Um, well, yeah. I mean, I'm sure even before they're known as the Exorcist stairs, I'm sure people around there are like, "Look at these goddamn stairs! Like these are oh, dangerous." Yeah. I mean, enough that Blatty writes a book about it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, Some, someone's gonna someone's gonna fall down those stairs. <laughs> right. We should put up a sign. Yeah, <laughs> and a sign is just the Exorcist stairs. <laughs> It's right next to the Exorcist slide, actually. <laughs> oh, you're just taking the slide down. <laughs> you just see, you're just like, wee! Yeah. <laughs> right, in the Exorcist fire pole. Right. <laughs> the Exorcist zip line. Right. The Exorcist bouncy house. <laughs> what's, a, what's a thing that spins? Um, like a carousel the, or the a, Exorcist a merry carousel, right? It's just Burke's head. It's just, oh, you know. Oh, God. Oh. <laughs> But yeah, Keenan, I think in the book, um, and I'll have to go back, I'll have to look, but uh, yeah, it, it's kind of like a ramping up of Chris um, uh, uh, slowly realizing that Reagan might have had something to do uh, with Burke's death. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll, I'll see if I can pinpoint like the, the kind of the, the moment of realization, mm-hmm. um, you know, before we get to, uh, you know, the famous, um, it's like, do you know what she did? Um, because right. yeah, because that is like, we're talking about skeletons, folks. We're talking about inner demons. This is kind of like the big one that weighs on Chris for like maybe the rest of the story, right? Like, remember we introduced her and her first big thing was, you know, um, 
the idea of death and dying and not existing anymore. Mm-hmm. And that has, you know, like, like we haven't even noticed it, but that has kind of been like replaced by, you know, like fear, uh, for her daughter and concern for her daughter. That's her big thing now. That's her, that's mm-hmm. her inner demon. Um, which is weird because like now there's a death, a death literally just happened like, like within her very close circle of loved ones. But you would think it was like, oh yeah, like the, the death shadow that hangs over Chris, but she's, she's being consumed by another demon now, right? Like concern for her daughter. Right. And possible, you know, later on, you know, uh, the possible, um, um, uh, scary truth that that her daughter might have killed burke right Mm -hmm. but yeah um but yeah so that's we got all of that from uh from uh ellen burston's reaction um and and then from here we cut to sharon and she has a more conventional reaction here her her eyes widen she opens her mouth but like quickly covers it meanwhile we hear the first words from chris on the subject she says oh god um we cut back to her and her hands are out she's gesturing and am i wrong is she gesturing to the scene outside is she like just now realizing oh my god all that stuff outside was for burke Mm -hmm. like it looks like that's the direction that she's gesturing in um like like when i was little i was like okay who's who's she putting her hands out to but she's like she's putting it all together she's piecing it out uh, she's piecing it together she's reaching out in the direction of all the sirens like that's what that was for. Yeah, explaining it to herself, right? Right. Like I literally just passed them driving home Mm -hmm. and I had no idea, right? Right. And Uh, that's where Burke is. And and that is where he is, right? Right. I can see it running through her head now, Mm -hmm. right? It's like that's not how people die. That's not how Burke dies. Right. And this is one of the things that I am sort of fascinated about in my research is how we portray deaths in movies. And Mm -hmm. again, not like um, shoot 'em ups, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger kills three people in a shot and we don't care about that. Like like how we actually deal with um, uh, personal deaths that matter to us and Mm – um, I talk about that in my fantasy class a lot mm. when I when I'm doing you know a genre studies of fantasy, and I think that the the very basic idea of the movie scene of let's all gather around now because uh, Dad is passing away, and right. you know we all get to be there, and we know ahead of time mm-hmm. um, that it's going to happen, and he's able to give us some wisdom, and he mm-hmm. closes his eyes and like passes away the way that right. we like to say it. And, and like that, that is a very, um, I think it's a very human wish for that type of death. Right. Um, and I think that it also, you know, some, it, in many ways it prepares us, right? That's what a lot of uh, narratives and stories are is to prepare mm-hmm. us for these bigger moments in our lives. But I think at the same time, it sort of does a disservice to us because, mm. you know, people die, you know, um, people die all the time. Uh, mm-hmm. as Homer Simpson says, why you could wake up dead tomorrow, <laughs> right? Like you know, death is happening all around us and it yeah. usually isn't pre-planned. It usually mm-hmm. isn't something that we can, um, gather people around for, um, right. you know, that, that is the, that is the, the good death. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and, and the real life deaths are, you know, again, like people get in car crashes unceremoniously. Mm-hmm. Um, people are at the gym and they, they have an aneurysm and die on the treadmill, you know? Oh, thanks for that. Keen. I was, <laughs> I was going to go to the gym right after this. <laughs> I mean, it happens, you know, really yeah. healthy, healthy people. <laughs> healthy, healthy people like you, Lester. Healthy, young, yeah. strapping people. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. What happens? I mean, yeah, people yeah. have strokes going up the escalator at the mall all by themselves. You yeah. know, this yeah. this is, yeah, and we were not really prepared for that. And so, so then we 
um, you know, we would probably find some other thing to replace this. But when it does happen like that, all of a sudden, we say things like, like, oh, that's such a terrible way to go, right? Mm-hmm. Like, we, we say that, like, well, I can't believe he would die that way. But that's, that's the real death is, um, right. you know, people dying alone, and people, you know, all, all the mechanisms that go with that of, um, um, you know, people shitting themselves as they mm-hmm, die mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and uh, or not being found for like Mary Karras or whatever right. it is, right? That's the um, second, yeah, this is like, we've, we've already had one that's kind of like, like, you almost just want to like, you know, like go up to God and be like, hey, that, that was unfair. That was uncalled right. for. Like, that's not like, like, can, can we redo that again? Right. Right. Or maybe, then, or maybe can we not do that? Let's just not. <laughs> God's like, I don't know if that's how this works. Yeah. <laughs> right. It's kind of in the contract, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, like, like, so there's, so, I mean, the exorcist is really dealing with that, I guess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I hadn't thought of that with Mary as well, but like two, two bad deaths, two mm-hmm. more, more realistic. I, I usually hate using that term, but, right. um, but two more, two deaths that are closer to what the reality of death is in our modern society. Right. Right, right. With all the surprise and all the shock and all the kind of like the feeling of, of unreality, right? That's the ironic thing is mm-hmm. like, you know, the non Hollywood death is mm-hmm. the like, oh, it feels so unreal. Right. Oh, and then I know we said this before, but just to underline this, since we're talking about it now, but like, mm-hmm. um, we want the death where I have a strained relationship with my mother, Mary Karras, and mm-hmm. I am there with her. She passes. She looks at right. me and says, Dimmy, it's okay. Right. right. But instead, what happens is that yeah. the last thing that, that she says is, why did oh, you do God. this? <laughs> right. Exactly. Why did you do this to me? Right. Like oh. that's that's the reality because she doesn't know she's dying and he doesn't right. know this is the last time he's going to see her. Oh, God. That's ooh, ooh, that that still stings. That still stings, folks. Oy. See, wouldn't you rather die on the treadmill than, <laughs> than have that happen? <laughs> he died doing what he loved, running from his problems. Um. <laughs> yes, he died doing what he loves, shitting himself while going down the up escalator. <laughs> And folks, again, we're getting we're getting silly again, but like we're talking about death, we're talking yes. about like tragedy, we're talking about like all this horrible stuff, and it's like mm-hmm. we ah oh, we need this, folks. So so I hope you'll indulge mm-hmm. us. I hope you forgive us for you know getting goofy now and then. Um, right. But oh Jesus oh, Christ! Let yeah. me let me tell you my favorite movie death fantasy, and I'm not going to oh. tell you what it is because it's okay. to, to not spoil it. But there's mm-hmm. a there's a mother and she is dying of cancer, okay. and so you know in the movies the tearjerkers like they have enough time right to mm-hmm. put all this together, but she's getting divorced from her husband and she has two little kids. Mm-hmm. And the youngest kid, so they have time for like, okay, this is your last time to talk to your kids. Tell them every wisdom you want, right? And so the youngest kid comes in and says goodbye, mommy, etc. And the oldest kid who understands what divorce is is mad at the mom, right? Mm. Because the, even though the dad is the scuzzbag, the mom has been protecting him from that and everything. Right. So she's like, you know, come and say goodbye to me, and he won't say goodbye to her, mm. right? And he's he's and and she says to him, listen, you can do all that you want, but I know that you love me, and. Also, you're going to look back at this when I'm gone and you're going to feel really shitty about yourself. And I want you to know that it's okay. And I forgive you for that. And don't, don't be mad at yourself for this later on. It's okay. I understand. Like, Ooh, <laughs> like that's oh. the stuff we want. Right. Yeah, like yeah, that's yeah. the ultimate, like, Ooh, mm-hmm. let's all hope we can get that. Right. Right. Ooh. I thought, I thought you were going to tell me like, uh, like, in, in, so we're, we're sharing this Google doc folks and we're looking at you know and we're looking at it at the same time and keenan has written in um fantasy movie deaths right and i thought i thought he was going to ask me it's like it's like keenan or, or, or lester i thought i thought he was gonna call me keenan yeah it's like oh we gotta put keenan down he's calling other people keenan um 
No, I thought he was going to be like Lester. Like, if you like, like, uh, like, what's your what's your preferred way to go in a <laughs> in a in a fantasy movie? Like, mm-hmm. and I was I was all ready to be like, I want to be like Boromir in the movie where they're just like pelting <laughs> me with arrows, and I'm just this pin cushion, and I'm just like walking forward right. as they as the arrows just keep coming, and I look like a porcupine by the end of it. But that but but I stab the guy, and then mm-hmm. I and then I just like fall on my my uh, all, all the arrows. Wait, but um, does he also get to like kind of like non verbally apologize for yes. dealing the ring? Right, right. No, exactly. he like he verbally. Apologizes. Oh, he does. Okay, yeah. okay. He verbally apologizes. Right, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. exactly. Yeah. Aragorn's there, and 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 he's like, he's like, oh, I tried to take the ring. It was the mm-hmm. little ones, and you know, like, uh, you know, I failed you. And it's like, no, you have not failed. They, he hangs around. <laughs> right, he hangs exactly. around for like to get to get that closure, to get that validation. It's like, no, actually, you didn't. You didn't fail at all. You're actually actually Baromir. Um, I have a, I have a list of things that I want to tell you. Um, <laughs> if you can just if you can just stay here for for just a little bit. So, firstly. <laughs> I really like your hair. Right. Um, it's, it's, it's really good. Um, and secondly, uh, you were uh, a really good friend to those halflings. Uh, thirdly, boy, you got a lot of arrows in there. You must be, you must be really, really tough. So strong. Um, I like, I like your gauntlets. Can I, can I take them when, you know, when you're, you know, right. well, you know, um, and that yeah. thing about how one must, one does not simply walk into Mordor. What a great, great way of putting great it. Line. Yeah. Yes. So like I was, I, I almost applauded, but then I was like, we were in a place. It's like, you know, there's a time and a place, you know, right, I, don't right. wanna, I don't wanna, you know, um, but anyway, um, you know, thanks for, um, um, thanks for your contributions, and mm. uh, you know, um, uh, you, if you need, uh, you know, like a literary recommendation, I don't, I don't know, I don't know where I'm going. <laughs> right, now. Good I, luck in all your future endeavors. Right? Yes, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Right, right. Yeah. So, okay, so I, I, yeah, I wasn't. Yeah, so they actually do have that conversation, right? Yes, so, yes, yeah. yeah. That's the way to do it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's the way to do it. So that's your uh, fantasy. That's your fantasy way of dying. Yes, I, I just like like a Viking. Just like like so. It's like <laughs> you can't kill me. Right? Just all the arrows. All the arrows. Right. Right. Well, you know, I guess my I don't have. Um, geez, I don't want to do too many spoilers because I know that mm-hmm. or people know that Boromir, whatever. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But like, yeah, I guess my my sort of favorite is you know like in the disaster movies or the like survival horror movies and the zombies are coming in. I don't like zombies. I've said that before. But like, and mm-hmm. I'm like the nerdy one, right? I, I have the um. I have the smarts to help people with this, right? Uh-huh. But at a certain point, someone has to stay behind and press the valve or whatever so the rest of the group can get out. And oh, the zombies yeah. are coming in, and I'm the one who has to stay. And I press the button, and I, I kill the zombies that are there. While oh, the rest and of the you time. like sacrifice yourself, right. and it's like, yeah, right. And I say and you, one one pithy little thing at the end. Yes, you got to be. <laughs> this is like game over. Or <laughs> Exactly. Not on my watch. Yeah. <laughs> Zombies, more like uh, <laughs> undead, more like all dead. <laughs> exactly. Right. Yeah. That's that's the ideal. That that if I if I have to die, I accept it. I'm brave all of a sudden, right? And I yeah. go and I, I do some good for it. And I let mm-hmm, the um mm-hmm. the formation of the heterosexual couple that happens at the end of genre movies. I let that happen, right? Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. I'm I'm the last I'm the last one to die, and the the yeah. man and the woman get together and they right. they kiss. Yeah. Even though I just I just died. Yeah, yes. <laughs> I just blew myself up. And they get to the surface world and they're like, wow, and they kiss each Let's other. Let's fuck. No, no. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but Keenan, they'll name a kid after you. So <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> what is his name? Cerverus Albus Potter or something stupid oh, like that. Jesus Christ. Cerverus Albus Potter. You're named after two of the greatest uh, cucks who ever lived. <laughs> 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 oh, 
<laughs> I do believe there is a Harry Potter minute. Um, there must be. So, so any any crossover from that, folks? We love Harry Potter. We love you. Um, not so much J.K. Rowling. No, not her. No, so no, much. no, 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 no. no. Um, but but I, I do think that ending is ridiculous, and everyone has been named <laughs> after like everyone. All of them have been named after somebody else that we're aware of. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I do want to like if if there is like one of those like um you know if, if Keenan if they ever bring back the guillotine um <laughs> yes. I'm just saying and like I I want to I want to try my absolute best to just have like a quip at the ready mm-hmm. once my head falls in the basket right like right. just something and they'll be they'll be talking about it for for centuries after it's like did you hear about Lester Clark the <laughs> third you know once his head fell into the basket and he said well fuck. <laughs> Yeah, you, uh, you remember the uh, yeah, I was gonna say, you remember this back in those days like you have people <laughs> people who they knew that the guillotine was going to take them and they were like I'm going to I'm going to try to like wink at you when my head is cut off like like look and see if like how long I have control over my body. Right, right. And the answer yeah. is like zero. <laughs> 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 like, I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna look over you and I'm gonna wink or something. Yeah. Or just like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna wait for my quip until after I've been hit with it. And just sitting, go, yeah, <laughs> terrible noises. Or I'll, or I'll almost give away, like you know, the, the treasure is hidden. <laughs> uh. <laughs> but yeah, no, like again. I really, really like the the action, the business that that uh, Ellen Burstyn is doing here, right? Like she she just received that news, right? She says, "Oh God," right? Mm-hmm. And you know, uh, we cut from Sharon back to Chris, and she has one hand over her mouth, right, mm-hmm. and one hand outstretched, which to me it looks like it could be either like a warding off gesture, like mm-hmm. like no, that didn't happen. I negate it. I deny it. Right. Right. Or. We could see it as her like reaching for Burke, mm-hmm. like 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 it's too late. Please, Burke, come back, right? Don't leave like this, right? right? And perhaps not knowing what to do with all of this emotion, right? Like she's she's suddenly feeling she she looks around, she finds the wall, and she pounds her fists against it. And and this gesture is at once so explosive, but also so futile. Her her fists barely make a sound against the wood, right? And her scream, folks, is is also somehow like stifled. It's somehow like cut off, right? In another movie, the music would be swelling now, and her scream would hang in the air, and it would mingle with the music, and it would be this like like healthy, cathartic like howl, mm-hmm. right? Like uh, this this outpouring of grief that just flows out and engulfs everyone in the scene. But because Chris is still in shock, because her brain hasn't yet had the time to process it, on on some level, she might still not even believe it. What comes out sounds like constipated and, and like and pitiful and again futile right it, it does nothing it does nothing for burke and it does nothing even for chris right mm-hmm. she can't even grieve the scream doesn't even heal her the littlest bit mm-hmm. but something must have happened because now her emotions are coming they're they're, they're coming in sobs uh, that that she is trying to control like she's trying to hold it together like she's turned away from both chuck and sharon trying to work through this new grief uh chuck comes over literally crosses the, th- the threshold mm-hmm. right and tries to comfort her but you can tell he's maybe not used to doing this or or he's maybe not comfortable getting too close to chris right now or or maybe he just knows that like there's no way he's going to be able to help chris right now um chris doesn't even appear to notice him uh chuck turns to sharon who is still in shock turns back to chris 
and then turns and leaves. What did you make of this? Like he literally drops by, drops this news, and then is gone. Like in my mind, I, st- I still want him to be a sympathetic character, but like, so I'm trying to figure this out. Like, like it was so like, like he just left. Right. You would think like, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I keep on putting myself in, in these characters' shoes and I would, I would like stay and I would hug Chris. I would, I would like, Hey, do you need anything? Let's sit down. Let's get, you know, some brandy or, or you know what I mean? Yeah. So we don't, we don't really know him. Right. Uh, and so, and so we don't know it's hard to see what his defense mechanisms are because we don't really know him, right? Her defense mechanisms are to turn around and to not be, not be seen. Like, don't watch me grieving, right? Like, don't right. look at me. Um, so I don't know, maybe his is to stay busy, right? Like he's in charge of this production still and he has other mm. people to tell and like he's on task and we have to figure all these things out, right? Yeah. Can I tell you this, um, what it says here in the script? Mm-hmm, sure. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So this is Chuck, uh, who is listed in the uh, the script just as assistant director. Doesn't have a name at all. So he has just said he's he's he, by the time he had M Street, he's broken his neck. Mm-hmm. A reading from the screenplay of Blatty. Chris puts a hand to her mouth, stifling a sob. Assistant director. Yeah, I know. See you later. He closes the door behind him. That's it. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that's even wow yeah it's even more it's even colder in this yeah so he's not even treated as a as a character really and yeah folks that just speaks to ron faber's um like what he does with this with this screenplay because like i don't know like like um maybe maybe a less experienced actor would would just like read that right off the page it's like yeah see you later and then just you know and then just walk out but he he at least knows enough to uh kind of like put put a little bit of himself in there like how would i help somebody who's grieving but then also be true to the screenplay be true to the book be true to the character in that like he helps but maybe this is a person who is like keenan said like he is on task like maybe he's down there like talking to uh the investigators and Mm -hmm. everything like that like right right over burke's body right maybe he needs to get back there maybe maybe he needs to like you said keenan tell everybody else on set about about this horrible news right maybe he's on task right or and also like maybe he just like is uncomfortable with these types of situations absolutely right right. he's not the emotional type that's why he's assistant director right he he works with people who are, are emotional types yeah but i also think it speaks to you know um uh friedkin you know being mm-hmm. a strong director so either he came up with this idea or the actors did um mm-hmm. you know uh oftentimes uh what an actor an actor has an impulse so the screenplay doesn't say that oh i'm going to cross over but the director can see like oh the actor's a human being who's in charge of this person and right. like oh they it seems like he wants to go over there right and so yeah, yeah. so i don't know whose idea it was but um it could be either of them but that's the strength of the the director i think a lot of um a lot of young directors or i mean that is inexperienced that's how hollywood says it a young director a baby director is what they call them right if you've never no matter how old you are Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, a, an inexperienced director might be like, oh, Ron, don't don't do that. Right. No, the script, mm-hmm. the script doesn't say that. Let's do exactly what's in the script and nothing else. Right. Yeah. I can also see this as I mean, going back to kind of like the motivation of the character, I can also see this as um, him deciding like. Oh, this is Chris and Sharon's grief. Like right. maybe they know Burke a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And so it's not his place. And so he's going to leave them to grieve their friend while he goes and grieves, uh, you know, his boss. Right. Essentially. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I think he has a different relationship with them. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, in any case, um, we are back with Chris now. Uh, she's trying to compose herself, but she is shaking. She puts a hand to the wall and she turns saying, Sharon. 
but we never get to hear what she was going to say. And I've always been curious about like, like what she might have been trying to say. Mm-hmm. Like, like, uh, cause it, cause it actually, you can see the beginnings of the next word. It's like Sharon, mm-hmm. sh, right? Like there's an SH. So is oh. she saying Sharon again? Or is it saying Sharon, she, she did this, she, she did this, my daughter. No, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. like, like Sharon, Sharon, shut up. I know what you're going to say. <laughs> Or she's doing a, a Burke impression. It's like, Sharon, she, she's a strike, Sharon. This is, this is how I cope. This is, it's, it's like Burke's here. He's just here. No. Oh, God. This is horrible. Um, but yeah, like, um, yeah, we, we don't know. Uh, whatever it is, is interrupted when her eye catches sight of something. At first, we do not see what she is seeing, but again, Ellen Burstyn does a great job preparing us for whatever is coming next. It's really quick, folks. Go back and look. You can pinpoint when she sees the thing that we're going to talk about in a second. Her eyes dart to it, and she even does like a little double take, probably because again, like Burke's death, what she is seeing does not make sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but then she focuses on it realization dawns it's all on burston's face here confusion recognition and finally terror and even before we see what she is seeing we hear it but even before i want to talk about that folks she's not looking at anything ellen burston isn't looking at anything there's nothing like there am i i'm, I'm right keenan right <laughs> uh, the question is would they would they make a contortionist go down the stairs and do this stunt when it's not going to be on camera just, just to get her reaction right, right absolutely, yeah. absolutely not right no no, 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 no. <laughs> that just right. can't be the way that it is no so so i want to say that like i i like that that whole like big spiel i was doing to try, you know to sell ellen burston's acting about mm-hmm. like like oh the realization dawns and she sees it and every she's not seeing anything ellen right. Bur- like chris is seeing everything but ellen burston is looking at nothing and she is acting her 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 butt off mm-hmm. right um all for us she's gripping this uh clock i just want to mention briefly and just because mm-hmm. we've been paying so much attention to clocks and thinking about that like i don't know it's interesting she's thinking about death and it, it's it's not quite the same composition as when father Marin is doing the same thing in uh, in iraq right. but but we sort of have had this idea before where she's like lost in her thoughts she's looking at this clock yes yes, yes it also this clock. appears to be almost 7 p.m so that answers the question we had earlier aha okay there we go um Oh shoot! I'm gonna have to go back because there was that there was that thing about like you know um, Carl let uh, Willie go see the Beatles mm-hmm. and Carl went off to to do something and Blades was like it was 7:15 p.m. or something oh. like that. I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to check. <laughs> yes, well, uh, I could see so the we should right know side exactly of the clock what time and, it is. Well, yeah, it looks to me like it is approaching seven. Uh, we don't see okay. the clock fully on, but we definitely see the right hand. This is so nerdy, and this is so movie <laughs> movies by minute format. We could see the right side of the clock. And mm-hmm. we and none of the none of the hands are there, so it is definitely not yet um, not seven yet. Well, there we go. There yeah. we go. <laughs> that's, um, the, that's the nerdiest thing we've ever done in this yeah. show. Looking at this damn clock, but okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, so so Chris sees something, but we don't see it yet. Before we see it, we actually hear it. First through the music, right? I believe we are still listening to um, Polymorphia here. And we get this like uh, skittering, scuttling, plucking of strings, which again, makes you feel like, as our friend Ian Hinden said, like spiders are crawling all over you, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And even as we are registering that, we hear the sound of feet, hands, Like, like what could it be? The music swells and we are presented with a shot. Of Reagan, 
bent over backwards, crawling on hands and feet upside down, down the stairs, in a motion which is anything but human. Again, no time to react, no time to register. From here, we cut to Reagan skittering straight at us. We might even recoil in our seats. She opens her mouth, and it is just a red, gaping hole filled with blood. We hear this unearthly gasp, and we know this is not Reagan's voice. Um, from here, we cut back to Chris, uh, hands out as she says, oh my god. Again, perhaps her hands are are out here to like ward off this this creature, but to me it looks like they're reaching out to Reagan, like like terrifying as she may be, it like mom is reaching out in another like futile attempt to help, right? Mm -hmm. Um we hear the demonic voice again and then the screen goes black. And that's how it could have happened. But how about this? Folks, you are in for a treat here because on this episode, you're sort of getting two minutes in one because there is an alternate cut of this scene, which is slightly different. Now, before we get into this alternate scene, Keenan, um, and am I correct in saying the one that we just saw with uh, the, the bloody mouth and the demon voice, this is exclusively TVYNS, the version you've never seen, right? Right. This is from the 2000 re-release and I uh... – Went back and tried to read the Roger Ebert review of the new release, and his review of the the version you've never seen is kind of frustrated. It's sort of like, hey, The Exorcist is great, but you know what you really are reading this review for is to hear about the changes they've made to this perfect movie. <laughs> so here, here's what it is. And um, so, as I said before, he says that the Spinal Tap scene, the the scenes mm-hmm. at the beginning are, are very useful. Mm-hmm. Um, da, 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 da. I do realize he does have something about your favorite scene about the talk on the stairs that we'll talk about oh, later. Okay. And he says, number three, we see the spider walk, an infamous scene much discussed by exorcist buffs in which Reagan is seen walking downstairs upside down crab like Mm. this shot strikes me as a distracting stunt and says it exists in isolation from the scenes around it feels gratuitous. Hmm. I feel the same way. Interesting. But this is the most influential film critic on me. So maybe I'm just copying him without realizing (laughs) it. (laughs) Well, I would agree. Yeah, like, and and I, I want to hold off on that uh, mm-hmm. uh, on my opinion uh, right. about this uh, this spider walk scene uh, because first I want to talk about this alternate one. Um, this alternate version was never released as part of any version, at least to my knowledge. Right. Um, yeah, I've never heard of this. Yeah, and so, folks, here's where it gets spooky. Because I specifically remember somehow seeing this scene, the one we're about to describe. I remember seeing this one first and then later seeing the one that we just saw with the blood and, and, and the, like the demon voice and thinking, oh, they changed it. So how the hell did I manage to see this second deleted scene if it's not part of any of the versions, right? Unless I'm wrong about that. Unless, like, they, they put it on uh, TV or, or, or maybe, right, uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm already being a skeptic here. Maybe, maybe I rented the DVD and it's like, oh, it's like, oh is it DVD extras, deleted scene. Yeah, yeah I'll tell myself that, yeah. right? Yeah. Rather than I was possessed or, or my TV was possessed. Like, I'd much rather have that be be the truth so yeah um okay well yeah let's get into it here so this deleted scene is actually a bit closer to what happens in the book um the spider walk itself 
is the same. However, when Reagan reaches the bottom of the stairs, she flips around so that she's right side up again. And we get a close up of her face as an elongated tongue darts in and out of her mouth. It actually reminded me more of an anteater, which is mm-hmm, somehow mm-hmm, worse. Right. Um, there, there's a prosthetic on her tongue that makes it like twice as long, right? But, <laughs> but that's the thing. It's not like ridiculously long, right? It's not so long that you would register it as a prosthetic, mm-hmm. right? It's not like Krampus long, mm-hmm. right? Or, or like Looney Tunes, like you see something that you really, really like long, right? right? Um, and it's, it, it, it's there and gone so quick that you barely know what you're seeing anyway. Mm-hmm. And then Reagan begins to crawl towards Chris and Sharon. Um, in the book, she's specifically going after Sharon, trying to lick at her ankles, um, and that prompts them to like call the doctor like immediately in the middle of the night. Right. right. Um, and then, yeah, once again, the screen goes black. Um, now, Keenan, so you were saying of these two spider walk scenes, um, you would find the the one in TVYNS more disturbing. Correct? No, no, I wouldn't say that. Oh. No, 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 no. I, I, I don't like either of them. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, but I think this one is better at hiding the fact that that's not Linda Blair doing the Spider Walk. This, this ah. alternate version. Um. So one of my problems with the 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 two thousand version that we see is that we're using mm-hmm. a body double. Um, yes. And we have her name, right? A- Annie Miles, yes. right? Mm-hmm. And yeah, well, yeah. Annie Miles is the contortionist. And when we're using a body double or a stunt double usually we're using everything in our power to make you not look at that person's face, right? We're, supposed right. To, we're trying mm-hmm. to trick you into thinking it's the same person. In in the version that you've never – I keep saying it wrong. The version you've never seen, mm-hmm. face is coming right at us, right to the camera. Yes. And we're being asked to look at it. And we have mm-hmm. blood effect that's coming out. So it's impossible for us not to look at that face. And every time we do that, I see that it's very clearly not Linda Blair. So I think I think it's just um, a much shoddier job in this alternate version that I think you prefer. Um, mm-hmm. We don't ever look at at a face when it's not Linda Blair's, which I think right. is a stronger choice there. Yeah. Um, yeah. The the licking is a little odd. And again, like I I don't want to judge this because when you put it in context of the film and with the music mm-hmm. and the color correction that they'd be doing, et cetera, it might it might be scarier to me. But but here mm-hmm. it looks a little silly in the cut that we see right now. Interesting. So I'm taken out of it a little bit. Um, yeah, I'm I'm laughing a little. Um, again, if they if they you know when you're watching a deleted scene, it's totally not fair to, to judge a deleted scene because right. it doesn't have every all the stuff done to it that the the finished film will have. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, but there is something just sort of strange about the the lickingness of it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, sort of sort of sexual in a way that the movie yes. doesn't doesn't do like with you know it it leans into that part i mean we just saw reagan saying fuck me fuck me right 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 um and it goes there and this one i don't know if i believe linda blair getting that part of it it's, it's feels like she's being asked to do something she doesn't quite understand mm, okay so like her performance of of like being this kind of like lewd demon right is is not coming across it's like you know just just crawl on your hands and knees and, and you know like stick your tongue out yeah. again i don't want to judge it and it's not it's it's edited by um, it's like an initial. It's not a. It's not a fine edit. It's a rough cut that someone put right. on a DVD extra. So this isn't what we would see in the finished version. But right, yeah, right, right. Um, yeah. So for me, I I actually think the deleted scene, uh, the deleted one, is a little bit more disturbing. Mm-hmm. I can't I can't put my finger on why, other than it seems less obvious, more mm-hmm. random. I don't know. Like like you you'd think the one where she's bleeding from the mouth would be. <laughs> 
the more disturbing one. Like how, like how did that happen? Is she vomiting up blood? Has she been like biting the inside of her mouth? Like, like, you know, it's like this poor girl, what's, what's happening, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's terrifying because she's injuring herself, right? That's horrible. But this one is just so much more, the word that keeps coming to my mind is inappropriate. <laughs> um, like, like she, like she's, she's licking Sharon's ankles, right? right. Or, or she's, or she's trying to, right? This is a girl that Sharon has helped to raise. Mm-hmm. We've said it before. She's like a big sister, right? And this kind of interaction is just like gross. Right. But yeah, Keenan, like you said, right? Like it's almost a, like a sexual thing, right. right? And which, which just, oh, it makes it so much more disturbing. I mean, the demon certainly does that kind of stuff in later scenes. Mm-hmm. Like he has, has already done that stuff, like with the doctors, right? Like she's standing up, she's hiking up her shirt, you mm-hmm. know, or her skirt, and she's just like, "Oh, fuck me, fuck me." So, like, this isn't like, like, oh, this is shocking. The demon has never done this before, mm-hmm. right? But again, it's just like this, this like it's it's, bleh, it's it's rude, it's inappropriate. <laughs> like, like if like if she were crawling around trying to bite their ankles, right. I would be less disturbed. I'd be like, okay, she's acting like, like a snarling beast. Right? right. But this is just so much worse to me. Right. <laughs> right. Uh, so this is one of the more controversial parts of the exorcist. The exorcist fandom, mm. I think is pretty split about the spider walk. I don't think I'm the only one um, under the sway of Roger Ebert who says that, that this is uh, the wrong thing to do here. And then we have this alternate one. That's I'm glad you showed that to me. That's really interesting. Yeah. Um, I'm looking at an article from Screen Rant by Michael Kennedy. And this is updated uh, two weeks ago from when we're recording this. This is a pretty new update here. Hmm. Why the Exorcist deleted then restored Reagan's infamous spider walk. And so he's talking about the history of it and uh, people's general ideas of it. And again, it's uh, as we see from the Roger Ebert review in 2000, he heard about this without ever seeing it. It was part of huh. the Exorcist fandom. He says, this is the famous spider walk that these uh, Exorcist nerds have been talking about this whole time hmm. and saying, like, hmm. please put that in because it's in the um, it's in the book, obviously. And right. somebody probably saw it, you know, um, in the dailies and or on set and was just like, well, Jesus, that has to be in this movie. And then when it's cut out, yeah. it's like, oh, you know. Hmm. Um, so this is Michael Kennedy. And he says... The Exorcist spider walk scene changes the entire movie. It's amazing how one relatively short sequence can change an entire movie, but the Exorcist stairs scene dramatically improves the film. Reagan's mm-hmm. possession starts out incredibly slow before she turns fully demonic and her appearance shifts. There are a few moments here and there that signal all is not right with the child, such as her interrupting Chris's party to urinate all over the floor. It's not quite what happened, but that's fine. Mm-hmm. The Exorcist right. spider walk scene adds crucial evidence that Reagan isn't unwell and that her possession is genuine, making her transformation a little less sudden. In addition, the Exorcist stare scene ramps up the tension tenfold. While the Exorcist is often regarded as the greatest horror movie of all time, its pacing does suffer a bit at the beginning of the film. We could disagree with uh, people. I still appreciate you, Michael. <laughs> I, just, mm. I disagree very much. But, he says, this deleted scene would have added more horror in a much-needed space, as well as further convince audiences that Reagan's affliction is indeed demonic possession. I think that's an inter- I think that's a good point. Mm. Okay. Okay. So he, so he's for this addition. Yes. And so his, his point, I, if I could summarize, I believe is that this is where we, we cannot, you know, this is, uh, she's not sick. She's not anything else. This is, this is not just what crazy people do. This is now hmm. you know, clearly in the demonic state. Okay. Well, see, like I agree with him and I don't, mm-hmm. right? Like I'm, I'm for the, the, the spider walk scene, but I don't think for the same reason as him. All right. Yeah. I think like the shaking, we've already had the shaking bed. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Right. Like and, and the bed was obviously shaking n- not by Reagan. Right. So why do you like this scene in the movie? So I think that it goes to what we were speaking about before, Keenan, and, and also what what 
um, Ebert was talking about. Like actually the reason that Ebert doesn't like it is kind of the reason that I do like it. Um, And going kind of back to what we were talking about, uh, how this movie deals with tragedy and death in this kind of like disrespectful, un- um, yeah, unkind, <laughs> unkind way, right? This is, you know, Chris has just had a tragedy. Chris has just lost her best friend, a father figure, a mentor. Um, you know, this is something that she is dealing with. And immediately after doing this, because we know, you know, the demon did this immediately after doing this, it's almost as if the demon is now mocking her. And not giving her time or space to grieve and mocking her in the worst possible way Mm -hmm. by like puppeting her daughter down the stairs and um, doing at least in the the alternate version, right, which is closer to the book, doing this like really gross, um, maybe not necessarily dangerous or lethal thing, but just like really disrespectful, um, uh, gross thing when Chris – like needs to have space and grieve and, and uh, you know, like have all of these like emotions, this demon is using her daughter whom, whom she also loves as like this, this weapon against her and, and not even, not even allowing her the headspace. She can't even retreat within herself to, to like say goodbye to Bert because now her own daughter is uh, like chasing after her, you know, on all fours trying to like lick at her and Sharon's ankles. right? Right. Like it's just, it's like, it's, it's almost like like human blasphemy. It's uh-huh. it's blasphemy to grief, right? It's robbing and, her of that of that time she needs or whatever that headspace she needs. Precisely, yeah. That's really interesting because I was saying that. Oh, you know, Chris is Chris is so focused on her daughter, et cetera. And then Burke's dead, and that's the end. You know, of course you have to pause mm-hmm. it, even even if your daughter is you know mentally ill and really needs help. Like someone died, that takes precedence. And yeah. So, yeah, and she doesn't know how bad uh, off. Uh, Reagan is. So Burke's death is going to take precedence over that. Yeah. Right. But yeah, so that's why, that's why I, um, I mean, when I say I like it, I mean, I don't, I don't, (laughs) I don't like it. I don't, I was like, oh boy, here comes the spider walk scene. (laughs) But I can see, I can see why like it's an effective um, scare. It's a defective, it's an, it's an effective, like, um, like, like just gives you the, you know, right. Yeah. And I can see why, you know, Blatty put it in and I can, I can see why, uh, you know, uh, uh, Friedkin decided to have it uh, put in. I will say, though, that the the one that's in our version, the version you've never seen, right, with the with the blood. Mm-hmm. Um, so you you say you don't like that one because like you, we can clearly see that um, it's this um, it's this contortionist, yeah, this, this I, Anne Miles, right? I think right? you have to pretend it's not. I th- I yeah. yeah. I personally don't like it because – it ends so abruptly. Yes, that's my other that's my other trouble with it. So, so what the 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 version? What's it called? The version, <laughs> the version, you've, version never seen? you've never seen. TVYNS. What what it makes us want to believe is that that happened, and then mm-hmm. we never talk about that again. Right. <laughs> right. Like like there are no repercussions for it. Yeah. She comes halfway down the stairs. She goes, <gasps> you know, and then like there's a pause. Right. And then she just scuttles backwards and back up the stairs. <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and then Chris is like, "Well, maybe we should call the you know the psychiatrist." Right. right? Uh huh. So, like, yeah, I I like the um in the deleted scene where 
uh, they literally have to like like hold her down, right? And she keeps on trying to you know to get at Sharon to get at Chris, mm-hmm. um, and that's when like say like, just just call the doctor, call him now, right? Which is which is closer to like how how the book goes. It's like get get him out of bed right. and have him come here immediately, right? Um, and and they just like they have to they have to wrestle her um, to the ground. Um, and again, another loss by by Captain Howdy. You can you can. Uh, imagine because it's not it's not a like a Benny Hill chasing them around mm-hmm. the you know the house they immediately dive on her and they and they hold her right again you know it's it's I guess an embrace by necessity mm-hmm. but it's still an embrace right so that's that's how that scene ends rather than fade to black as you know we got this red mouth going blah you know right well again this is this is unique in I mean well at least at the time this has become more common now of finding deleted scenes from classic movies that are you know, fucking perfect on their own. Mm-hmm. And now we're, we're tinkering with them. Um, you know, that that's something that Spielberg and George Lucas were doing at about the same time as the, as mm-hmm. the exorcist was, uh, with Friedkin and Blatty. Um, yeah. so, you know, I, again, I hesitate to criticize our movie. I think it is pretty perfect, but some of the things from the 2000 version I can really do without. Mm, yeah. But, um, but yeah, guys, please let us know what you think. Um, do you prefer uh, one or the other of the versions of the spider walk scene? Would you rather have the whole thing just cut out, right? Let us know, theexorcistminute at gmail.com. Um, yeah. Uh, but before we move on, we we got to give credit here, folks. This this famous scene, this spider walk was done by Anne, or I guess sometimes Annie Miles, mm-hmm. um, actress, uh, stunt girl, uh, model. Um, so she she grew up riding horses in Arkansas. Um, this, okay. Horses seem to be like the hidden character of this story. (laughs) It's so weird. We, we got, we got, we got Reagan loving horses. Mm -hmm. We got Linda Blair loving horses and riding horses. Uh Right. And, and then this girl Ann miles, like she rides them professionally. (laughs) Right. We got Sharon who is dating one. That's a Um, big one. That's that's a big (laughs) one. Wasn't there another one? I thought we had like one more horse reference somewhere hmm. that like we were reading somebody's biography and was like, oh, horses again. Oh, I don't right? know. There there are horses in the Iraq sequence, I believe, right? Oh, well, there you go. Right. <laughs> yeah. And then, of course, Keenan, <laughs> I find that like signed first edition. We talked about that mm-hmm, on the show, right? Mm-hmm. Like like me going to the bookstore, right? And and like I, I finally get it and I have to take a picture, you know, for the social medias. Mm-hmm. And Keenan, did you notice the book that's behind it in the picture that I took? <laughs> That's a giant horse. <laughs> that is by someone like Rob Lang and Nicola something. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's a it's a folks. If you go back, if you're if you're part of the compelling conversations um, uh, listener group, right? You can see it. I posted it in there, right? Um, this is I'm still in the bookstore, and I just I had to take a picture of of uh, my my newest purchase. Um, not going to say how much I spent, but uh, like I propped it up against another book, and I didn't notice until later. It's a big old horse's face, giant horse. Um, it was a giant horse's face. And I didn't even notice until after the photo, but The Exorcist, the the, the book I bought, is covering most of it except its eye, almost <laughs> as if it's winking at us. <laughs> so yeah, horses. We can't get away from horses. We, like even though there isn't a single goddamn horse in the – well, no, I guess in Iraq, in Iraq right? I think. Yeah, but there isn't a single goddamn horse in Washington, <laughs> right? We are we are haunted by horses mm. and horsemans. <laughs> uh, but yeah, um, 
but yeah, so <laughs> let's get let's get back to, to Anne Miles here. Um, so yeah, so she rode horses from like 1958 to 1966. Um, she became the busiest stunt girl on the East Coast and one of the top commercial models in the 1960s and 70s. Um, and then by uh, the 80s, she was working as a theatrical hairstylist on Broadway. Um, I also saw that at Florida State in her undergraduate, she went there on a gymnastics scholarship. So um, so that would help her, mm. I suppose, or, or work with her contortionism. But she's also an actor. She studied at the American Academy of Dramatic Arts and at the Strasbourg Institute. Ah. Oh, there we go. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Great. Good find of theirs, right? <laughs> we have an actor who is also a contortionist. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it says it says on the um, the IMDb uh, trivia, it says Anne Miles' biggest fans are the grandchildren of her neighbor. They love watching the spider walk walk on the internet. <laughs> they know they know who actually did it, and they refer to Anne Miles as the stunt lady with ketchup in her mouth. <laughs> oh, that'd be the worst part of it is having to perform with ketchup in your mouth. Oh my gosh, right? I mean, but to be fair, like that blood does not look like blood right. that looks like that looks like red paint yeah it looks like ketchup. i get it. it feels unfinished so i don't know i you know, i don't want to judge the the stuff that they decided was a deleted scene they're not going to put in with the prosthetic but the stuff that they actually put in the film i'm i'm not a not a fan of mm, yeah and folks i'm gonna i'm gonna link all of this stuff um all the uh the the and miles stuff and uh also the the footage of the the other scene um that that she also performed this is th- this was all done like like during the filming and and that that scene just was never uh revealed to us mm-hmm. um except to me when i was very young i don't know how i got a hold of it but uh but yeah but yeah so that's Anne miles um so what do we got now we got we got linda blair eileen deeds Mercedes McCambridge and now Anne Miles. That's four women who helped in bringing this character to life, right? right? Four women out of, according to Eileen Dietz in in uh, this podcast, I, I listened to uh, at least five. Mm-hmm. That that's what she said in an interview I listened to. Um, but I have no idea who the fifth woman could possibly be. Do you? I have not seen that. No. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. I, I believe her that there'd be more than one person there, but. Yeah, yeah. So, so there you go, folks. Right. As of this recording, Lester and Keenan have no idea if there is a fifth woman or uh, who that woman might actually be. But we're sure as hell going to try to figure that out. Um, and if you know, please, please write in and, and let us know. If you are that woman, um, if you are that woman, yes, come on the show. We'd love to. We'd love to have you. Um, but again, folks, just think of that. This one character who continuously and famously holds the top spot in uh, in scary monsters in what some have called the scariest movie of all time. We've mentioned the AFI lists before. We've talked about how women aren't fairly or equally credited for the work they do, for the performances they give. But this monster, this creature, this thing that has affected so many people, the, the subject of so many nightmares, launched a franchise, right? It was solely the work of four to five women. Like, like no dude can claim ownership of this character, this performance. Maybe Blatty and Freak, and who cares about them, right? Like, I'm, I'm talking about, like, the bringing to life of this character, right? The scariest, the scariest character in horror history, in movie history even, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I just find that really interesting. Right. Um, now, in both versions, the screen goes black. In this version, at least the, ver- the version we've never seen, right, it, it stays black for quite a while. Um, and then out of that blackness, a voice that we have never heard before begins to speak. It says, when I touch your forehead, open your eyes. And it's as if our eyes are open and we see a man's hand passing over Reagan's face. She seems to be in bed or, or in a chair, um, and at least for the moment, her eyes are still closed. 
Who is this man, and what is going on? We'll have to wait until the next minute to find out. For now, that is all my notes. Keenan, do you have anything that you wanted to add? No, I think we covered a lot. All right. Yes, we certainly did. And folks, I am so excited because we got another message. This is from our good friend, uh, Mike. Uh, So he wrote us again, um, and he says, Hi, Lester and Keenan. Still continuing to really enjoy the show. This is in response to minute 56, actually. He says, uh, Keenan mentioned he's a fussier actor than Chris McNeil. Mm -hmm. I can't remember if either of you have addressed this in an earlier minute, but do you have any thoughts about why Blatty wrote this story in which the mother is a famous Hollywood actor? It seems kind of meta and doesn't Mm -hmm. seem to me, and I've still only seen the movie once, to have too much bearing on Chris's relationship to Reagan. So I'm not criticizing the choice. Chris's concern and love for Reagan is totally believable. It's relatable in a way being a famous actor isn't. Uh-huh. to most people. And then and then he contrasts this. He says, for example, Tony Collette in The Sixth Sense, the fact that she's uh, struggling to keep everything together, including mm-hmm. some non-glamorous uh, workaday job, maybe not even specified, I can't recall, uh, as her child is suffering some supernatural affliction, as Reagan is, underscores the reality of it all. Um, and he says, I know you've both mentioned the realities of being an actor that many of us non-actors don't know about. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying acting is not hard work and workaday in uh, many respects. I'm simply curious if you have any information or hypotheses about why Blatty chose to make Chris a famous actor. That's a really great question. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I have a nice answer that's like, oh, this this makes it all nice and metaphorical, etc. I've mm. played with that sometimes of like, oh, you know, is is Chris like in a fantasy world and she's pretending to be other people, etc. And I don't know mm. if that really bears scrutiny. Yeah. I have a couple of things. Um, I think first and foremost, uh, so Blatty, I think it's, I think it's on record that, uh, Blatty said he's basing this, he's basing the character of Chris off his good friend, Shirley MacLaine. Right. So there is that. And it's the, it's the whole kind of like, write what you know type thing. Um, and at first I thought it's like, wow, well, I mean, you know, you could just, Blatty, you could just take Shirley MacLaine's personality and give her a more, I don't know, relatable job than, than this, like this famous actor. Maybe, but maybe her personality is so tied to being an actor, right? She was an Mm. actor from the time she was 19, Shirley MacLaine. Right, right. And her first Um, movie was a Hitchcock movie, you know? Well, there you go. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I I thought about it a little bit more after, after Mike posed us this question Mm -hmm. and I thought, well, in the 1970s, was there any other job that a single mother could have mm, mm-hmm. that would be able to afford her 88 doctors. Right. That is a very good point. Absolutely. Like, because it, like we're thinking about like other than, other than a doctor herself. Mm-hmm. Right. But then if she's a doctor, that would be, that would be a different story. Right. <laughs> right. Cause then everybody is saying, I don't, I don't see how you could operate on your daughter. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> I can't operate. I, I can't perform this exorcism because she's my daughter. <laughs> right. That's a really good point. That, that's true. Certainly, um, that even even someone like me who's read a lot about like 1920s and 30s Hollywood it has to be reiterated to me like how strange it was to have these jobs for women uh, as actors, but also directors and, and producers mm-hmm. and that kind of thing because there were more of them in the 20s and 30s than later on. But like how that would be, you know, them making CEO level money, um, right. and you could do that as a single woman or an unmarried woman or a divorced. Right, right. Because yeah, so she is. We we have to remember that she is a a a, a divorcee mm-hmm. in 1970, early 1970. And I'm trying to think. It's like what other job 
option would she have available that mm-hmm. would that would give her the house right that would give her the the um the support network that she has mm-hmm. um that would and i think also part of the tension is that she is so famous that she's right. in the public eye right like she doesn't want she doesn't want any of this getting out um, um but also that she is so famous that that you know would someone who would someone who's not famous who says that my daughter's going crazy be treated seriously by the medical community or get the attention of Georgetown? Oh yeah, there you go, right? Like like would Dr. Klein even uh, you know um uh, humor her at all? Right. It's like mm-hmm. no, you're 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 poor, so <laughs> your daughter is just insane, right? Yeah. You're you're rich, so your daughter is eccentric. Yeah, right, right. It's it's a, a disorder of the nerves. It's not the, <laughs> you know. Right. She's not cuckoo banana pants. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really good point, Lester. I like that a lot. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm th- like, that's the only, like, and I think, I think Blatty is doing double duty here because man, so his job is to like, yeah, which came first? Is it, is it like a chicken or egg thing? Is it, is it like, so he's, 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 I don't know, he's having lunch with Shirley MacLaine. Mm-hmm. Um, and he said, you know, I really like my friend Shirley MacLaine. I'm going to write a book, um, with a character that's a lot like her mm-hmm. one day. Right. Right. Or is it like, ooh, like I heard about this thing in one of my uh, my classes at Ger- Georgetown University, mm-hmm. this thing called possession. And, you know, and this this little boy is possessed by the devil. I want to write that story. But dang, I need like I need this to be plausible. Like mm-hmm. I need this to be uh, believable from, you know, like from a realistic standpoint where like this 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 lady can't go to the police. She, you know, but she's able to afford all these doctors because like I think I think that's part of it is that if we had a person who makes less money, mm-hmm. there would be questions of like, well, you went to one doctor and they couldn't figure out what it is. Mm-hmm. You know, you didn't go to 88 doctors, mm-hmm. right? But I think the fact that like she, like, and, and she says, like in the movie, she says 88 doctors, right? right? The fact that like the very, very best doctors can't figure out what's wrong with her daughter and like, how is she going to, how, like we need, we need a person of that status who can afford 88 doctors, mm-hmm. right? Which by the way, Keenan. 88 doctors, does that mean 88 doctor bills? <laughs> you know, if you have to ask. Or is it like ask, a collective thing, you know? <laughs> but no, no, if, if you have to ask, you can't afford it, Lester. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> you, got, you got Dr. Klein, you got uh, Dr. Uh, uh, Tanny, you got mm-hmm. Dr. Berenger. Wait, mm-hmm. also, like 88 doctors, is Dr. Klein and Tanny included in that or do they make it 90? <laughs> no, I think they're included. And then um, um, the, the hypnotist too, that's a different doctor. He's he okay. God, and you gotta you gotta pay your radiologist, Lester. You yeah, you gotta pay your radiologist. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So so okay. So now the numbers are uh, starting to fill up. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was thinking it's like eighty eight. It's such a specific number. It's like you would you you wouldn't say it's like hundreds of doctors or mm-hmm. you know it's like twenty doctors, right? It's like eighty eight doc. Like it sounds like it's like you know I I used to be the drummer for eighty eight doctors. Right? <laughs> and there's a cover yeah. band or something like that. You know? One last thing about Shirley MacLaine that I'm not actually sure of is that mm. in, in the night. 90s when I was a kid, she was most famous because her career wasn't as big. She was most famous for her personal life as a mystic. Um, but I'm not oh. actually sure when she started having those beliefs or sharing those beliefs. I don't know if that mm. was when she was at the height of her stardom in the 60s, whether that was part of her life then. But she she was open about reincarnation and spiritualism and crystals and, and that sort of thing, similar to how Nancy Reagan was known for that in the 90s. Oh, okay. So like almost a bit of a um – uh, Mary Jo Parent. Right. I don't know the timeline. I'm not sure when Shirley MacLaine started being vocal with those. And then after she was in the 90s, completely pilloried in the media for that, uh, I think she has been less open about it. Interesting. Huh. Or or she's changed her, her views, which happens when you have someone who's in the public life for you know decades. Yeah. 
Um, well, I, I can think of one other thing also. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in the book, there is this uh, little subplot of um, uh, Chris getting her first, like, chance to spread her wings as a, as an artist. Mm-hmm. Um, she, you know, uh, she gets like a, a directing opportunity mm-hmm. so she can direct. Right. Right. And there's this whole conversation, um, with her and Burke. Oh, it hurts just to say his name. Um, uh, there's, there's this whole conversation with her and Burke, um, where he's kind of like, uh, guiding her through the process and talking about like, you know, all, all the things that you need to remember and keep in mind as a director. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's like this wonderful, wonderful opportunity. And like, it, it's actually like, uh, the, it's, it's a, it's a, uh, a three parter film, um, called faith, hope and charity. And it's like, mm-hmm. like three short films in one Okay, and her and hers is hope. Mm-hmm. And so she's talking to the doctors and she's, um, you know, and the doctors are like going, uh, through the process of like, oh, you know, we're going to have to keep your doctor or we're going to have to keep your daughter here. She's going to have to be, you know, have like 24 hour surveillance Mm -hmm. and and all this stuff. And Chris sort of like sags and they're like, oh, what's wrong? And she's like, nothing. I just lost hope. Mm -hmm. And it's the idea that like, cause the, the AD was like, Hey, you have to be present for this. Like, otherwise you're going to lose your opportunity. Like this is the one, this is the one thing in your career that you've been fighting for tooth and nail Mm -hmm. is to get this job as a director. And now suddenly your daughter's sick and you're saying you can't like come out to the set. Like Mm -hmm. you need to be here. And she, you know, she keeps on like, like putting it off and putting it off and putting it off. And then that one scene in the book where it's like, no, 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 no. Like you're going to have to be present here with your daughter, with your daughter, like this whole time. And she just kind of like, oh, I, well, I just lost the movie. Mm-hmm, like then, right. then I'm not going to, you know, and she makes the right choice. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's that, that, uh, Blatty is, is putting that in front of us saying like, look at what, you know, Chris is, is choosing between, right? mm-hmm. you know, her daughter or like her career. And there's a, there, you know, there's a part later when Captain Howdy is like shouting that at her. It's like, you did this to her. You put yourself, you put your career before your daughter. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if that would hit as hard if she was a i don't know a waitress or Uh something like that right um so yeah i think i think that's part of it as well really really good question mike yeah that's Um, a wonderful thing to think about yeah right because that's always kind of like struck me as well like we were talking about like the in in the april fools episode where like the parodies don't even mention that she's a that she's a famous actress right Right, uh like they sometimes they don't even get like her character right it's just a mom Right. right Sometimes the dad is even there. So, so yeah. So this is it's it's a weird thing that you don't really think about until you're like, you're like closely examining this movie in this book, right? Yeah. But yeah, thank you so much, Mike. Um, and yeah, folks, um, if you have questions or if you have an idea, an answer to Mike's question, please write into us theexorcistminute at gmail dot com. And uh, yeah, let's let's keep this discussion going. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think, I think that's it, Keenan. Do you have anything else? No, I think that's it. All right. So Keenan, are you thinking what I'm thinking? I think I am, Lester. Folks, until next time, the, the power, power of alternate, alternate versions compels you. The power of alternate versions compels you. The power of alternate versions compels you.
Okay, now we're in the Bronx. The power of alternate versions compels oh, you. Oh, yeah, the power of alternate versions compels you. We really do that. The power of alternate versions compels you. <laughs> <laughs> this is a version where um, our, our mouths are covered by a, 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 a membrane of skin. That's the best one. Yeah, that's the that's the. Oh, and uh, folks, you can't hear it auditorially, but my fingers are now hot dogs, (laughs) (laughs) and my lover is my tax preparer. Oh, oh, that's such a sweet scene. (laughs) I really like it. Yeah.